Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Spark, a space tale, on today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. It would not surprise me if none of you knew what I was talking about when I said Spark a Space Tale. Uh, this is a film that came out this weekend and was in, I believe, about 300 theaters uh, of release. It currently has a 26 on Metacritic. It has a 5.6 with 126 ratings on IMDb. And... It has only been seen by 17 people, not including myself, on Letterboxd, with the highest rating uh, being a two and a half stars. So, yeah, I would not be surprised if you haven't heard of this, haven't seen advertisements for it, didn't even know it existed. Uh, It is an animated uh, children's movie directed by Aaron Woodley. Starring the voice talents of Jessica Biel, Hilary Swank, Susan Sarandon, Patrick Stewart, uh, among others. So there's some some talent here. And uh, the, the letterbox synopsis is, Spark, a teenage monkey, and his friends, Chunk and Vix, are on a mission to regain planet Banna, a kingdom overtaken by the evil overlord Zong. So it's a space adventure movie. Uh, Starring a monkey and some other people. And going to do the review a little bit differently than I normally would for a film like this. I was the absolute only person in the theater watching it. And given the fact that I'm not recommending that anybody watch this movie. The entirety of this review is is essentially spoiler fair. Uh, You know, I, I either... I, you know, if you watch this, it's kind of like watching Food Fight, which I reviewed a few months back, and in, in the sense that you don't watch it to be wowed by any of it. You watch it because it's terrible. And so I'm going to just go through as much as I can remember this movie and how really shitty it actually was. So... Like I said, uh, we, we, start with, uh, we start with an opening sequence where... A, a planet, planet Banna, uh, short for banana, which is roughly similar to Earth, is being torn apart by this uh, ink slick um, uh, released by a kraken. So essentially what's being what's taking place is a cosmic fish inked, so like an octopus. So like it's like an octopus inked and the ink it, it gave off created a vortex that sucked in everything around it. Except in this case, we're calling it a kraken. Uh, it looks like a whale with like five, six limbs. And its ink floats out into space, creates a black hole type of effect. Uh, a wormhole would be more specific. And it starts destroying this planet, sucking in everything it can. Uh, ultimately, the, the the slick is sewn up and, and shut down, but half of the planet has been ripped apart, uh, and, and small pieces of it are, are sort of scattered in space 
and a trail leading toward where this lake used to be. Spark, as we see in the early parts of the movie, is spared from this devastation because his father throws a staff or, 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 or a male monkey that I think we learn later is not his father, throws a staff which sinks into the ground on planet Banna, at which point Spark, who at the time is like a, an infant, grasps the staff which is stuck in the ground, and that's enough to stop him from being sucked into this vortex. A vortex strong enough to rip apart planets cannot pluck a kid from a staff like five inches buried into the ground. That's where the movie starts. Okay, we then time skip ahead. Um, Spark is celebrating his 13th birthday. And this is a story that he's being told to by Susan Sarandon's character, which is like an animatronic monkey nanny, whose character name is suitably Banani. Hate Banani, worst character in the movie, which is saying something. Uh, geez. Um, so she like falls asleep in the middle of the story and Jace Norman, who voices Spark, gives us the rest of the story. And now he lives on the trash planet, which is the furthest or well, shard, the furthest shard of, of ground, uh, that did not get sucked into the vortex, but has the furthest distance away from planet Banna. And so the now residents of Planet Banna dump all their trash there. And Spark lives there with his friends, Chunk and Vix. Chunk, voiced by... Um, let me see here. It was not a big name, actually. Uh, Chunk, voiced by Rob DeLue, who I don't recognize from anything. Uh, his his credits, he, was, uh, he had a very tiny role in Spotlight. Um, he was in the in the film Turbo Kid, which actually was really good. Uh, apparently, he had a small role on the TV series Fargo, um, but you know this he hasn't really broken out in any sort of way. Vix is voiced by Jessica Biel, so Sparks a monkey, and like ninety five percent of the people that were on Planet Banat when we were watching it be destroyed, monkeys. Vix is a fox. Chunk is like. A warthog pig thing uh, which I don't understand like so that's that's gonna be a recurring theme I don't understand why they're monkeys or why his friends aren't monkeys or why they are the animals that they are and how that at all relates uh, we later see like that the population of Banna is not just monkeys so I don't understand that can monkeys and foxes like be together it doesn't none of these questions are even remotely answered we see people from other planets that are not monkeys uh but and like there's like i don't know nine or ten but they're the same species that are also on this planet just in a very tiny number is this simply like americans living in china is this you know like i don't understand like what we're supposed to consider this to be it doesn't i'm not sure but Chunk and Vix are, they basically like are space raiders. They have a spaceship. They leave the, 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 the trash place that they live on. And Spark wants to quit them and he can't because he's too young and inexperienced. Uh, there's like a fight sequence between Spark and Vix where she completely owns him in every single way. 
Chunk is more of like a technology person. He fixes things. He creates things. He's the scientist of the crew. And so that's kind of the dynamic. Uh, uh, Spark also has a friend named Floyd. Yes, Floyd, voiced by the director, Aaron Woodley, who is basically a termite, I think, and uh, can't really talk, but he follows Spark around. So when... So Vix and Chunk uh, eventually leave on another mission, uh, and Spark is annoyed. He wants to go with them. He feels stuck, and he's you know he's like dancing around. He's like practicing his fight moves, and he stumbles upon a computer set in Vix's bedroom that uh, displays a message. He reads it. It asks Vix to meet somebody. We're not sure who. On at some place, we're not sure where. We're given very little details in this movie. And Spark prints out the message, gets the instructions, and now he's got a plan. So finally, the movie has an idea of what we're what's what it's doing. Uh, Chunk and Vix return from their mission. Spark is uh, way over the top about being okay with the fact that he's unhappy that they left him. He's like, hey guys, just like you guys should get some sleep. You don't need to worry about a thing. I'm just going to go practice my focus and fighting and stuff things. They fall asleep. He takes the map, jumps in their spaceship, apparently is able to fly it with, without a, a presumably any training. Floyd is with him, the little termite, and they fly to the planet Banna. We get to planet Banna and we realize that... Uh, what has happened, the previous king of Banna uh, was sucked into the vortex, and the queen at the time, voiced by Hilary Swank, is now uh, paired up with the evil overlord Zong. Zong, voiced by Alan C. Peterson, who sounded a lot like Tim Curry. And, you know, uh, he, Zong is like, has this statue being erected in his honor. He, uh, you know, everybody's like afraid of him. And Spark is, like, right there. He's right in the middle of things. He has to get into this sewer system. That's, like, the entranceway into whatever we... We don't know. Like, we're still... Have, I still have no idea what, like, actually is happening here. He throws this device. It's, like, a hologram device that creates a version of him. He distracts all the guards, jumps down into the sewer, comes out in the palace, apparently where four guards attack him, he defeats them, four more guards find him, he escapes from them, and when they try to, uh, they try to corner him, and he finds a hidden passageway uh, in, in, in uh, the wall. He finds, there's like a picture frame, and the instructions said, press the green banana. He doesn't know what that means until he somehow amidst the fact that Force fields are being are cropping up all around him. He's being chased. Time is not on his side. He manages to turn to the turn like to his left and analyze a the frame of a uh, of a picture and see that in one corner of it there's a green banana in the frame. He presses it. It turns into the wall. Slides out. He goes in there. Wall closes behind him. And they lose him. 
and then he ends up in the queen's bedroom. Oh my gosh, the queen. The queen's working with Vix and Chunk. Who would have thought? Because clearly the queen is unhappy with Zhang, who is the former king's brother. So there's like a Hamlet sort of thing going on here. And she, the queen, doesn't realize, doesn't know why Spark's the one that's there. You immediately get the sense that they're related, uh, even though it's not said. And you do later find out that he's Spark is actually the son of the queen. He is the rightful prince. She gives him this egg thing, which we saw. We, we already saw this. Uh, it's basically a kraken tracker. I think that's the technical term that they use. Uh, so essentially, what Zong wants to use it for is to find a Kraken, use the Kraken, create more Kraken slicks, and destroy more planets. Uh, because Destroyer of World is apparently not good enough. He wants to be Destroyer of Worlds. Which I can understand. Destroyer of World does not sound good. So the Queen gives Spark this Kraken Finder. And he takes it. Uh, guards appear. They're like, we need to search your room, Mrs. Queen person. And she like yells at them and says, you have to take this. Uh, she was like, I was about to get a bath. Please escort this handmaiden like out of the castle and uh, whatever. And then the handmaiden is just spark in like a cloak. They do so. He gets out. We don't see how he gets from like outside the castle back to the ship. But who cares? Gets in the ship, still wearing the getup. Uh, at which, like, he tells Floyd, like, don't even think about it. And he's like, oh my gosh, I have this Kraken tracker. Uh, this would have, you know, he he hypothesizes that, you know, this would have let Zong rule the world. But in the right hands, maybe it can do to him what he did to everyone else. Uh, so he's, clearly he is corrupt with power. Great, great guy, this guy. Uh, we then see a montage of him trying to figure out how it works. He tries to, uh, like, he put, he, the, the technology of, of this world is completely unknown. He, he tries to use, like, paddles on it to shock it awake. That doesn't work. He uses, he tries to weld it open. He, he puts on a welder's mask and uses, like, a blowtorch. That doesn't work. Uh, he sings to it. He dances to it. He reads its stories. None of it, none of it works. None of it works. And then finally, it starts to rattle uh, when he's not watching. He turns to it, and a, like a dot, of, a, a light appears inside of it and shifts from to one side. And he determines, after some experimentation, that the direction the light is pointing is the direction toward the Kraken. Very easy enough. Follows it, flies the ship towards the Kraken, finds the Kraken. Turns out that his ship looks like a Kraken. Kraken, the Kraken is like smitten with this ship. And he's able to corral the Kraken. Meanwhile, back on planet Banna, Zong finds out that the Kraken tracker is stolen. And sets out to find it. Fair enough. He, uh, so Spark leads the Kraken back to the trash planet. Gets there. It's been completely ransacked. Chunk and Vix are missing. And then this huge monkey ogre woman named Coco, uh, who works for Zong, grabs him, knocks him out, takes him prisoner. Uh, she is like uh, like an Arnold Schwarzenegger type of, of monkey, but it's a female. That's all. Uh, so 
Vix and Chunk are super pissed because he went off on his own, didn't say anything, and they're both kind of locked up. Here is the first, here's where the first scene that felt really out of place and tonally inconsistent with the rest of the movie. Yes, because, you know, because like this, there is a tone to this movie somehow, uh, takes place. So there's two guards taking Spark to the prison cell where Vix and Chunk are. And they're having a conversation with each other, completely unrelated to the rest of the movie. One of them, like, these aren't characters we know, haven't met before, don't meet again. And they're talking about a dinner party that they're going to have. And one's like, oh, you're bringing such and such new new female. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other one's like, oh, she, like, have any food allergies I should be worried about? And she, he, like, mentions, like, I forget the food he mentions, but he mentions some type of food that, like, breaks her out in hives or something to that effect. Uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And, like, we just completely gloss over that. There's three or four scenes exactly like this later on in the movie where we have two characters. Um, we're, they're given agency that they didn't have before, and we get to hear conversations between them. And, man, I wish there was more of that in this movie. Those were, like, the best scenes. Like, because they're doing... This is, like, these are things the movie's doing that are actually interesting that are actually different from what we're used to so that happens uh chung and vix are pissed at spark for what he did and and how he left with their ship and like found the kraken and now zong has the kraken um and uh so what's going to happen is zong creates an oil slick and they all go through it spark vix chunk and like the trash planet and Floyd and like the termites, they all go through this oil slick. Spark tries to apologize. Vix doesn't want to hear anything of it. Chunk follows Vix. They talk about how they should have told Spark that he was the prince, but they didn't. And then they can't find him and he's gone. And Spark gets captured by these roving band of monkeys. Who are these people? How did they survive going through the oil slick? Uh, this is when we find out that the oil slick is actually a wormhole. And the people that went through it didn't die. They just or somewhere else the band of monkeys are led by patrick stewart who used to be the captain of the royal guard and he is an enigmatic character to say the least he constantly forgets parts of his own body which is strange uh but he's talking to spark and we finally reveal to spark that he is the prince and we do it in the worst possible way. So we already have three established three characters that know he's, what his relationship is to the royalty. And they're not the ones that tell him. It's this guy who only knows who he is because he sees on his hand a, a birthmark. Which we've never seen before. He, he just notices it, which is the first time we notice it. And he's like, oh my gosh, that's the royal mark. And whatever. Which terrible writing absolutely horrendous uh like if you're gonna reveal him that way you gotta set that up at some point beforehand you can't just throw that on us out of the blue spark finds out what happened and then finds out that his dad the king also came through the vortex but he died uh, in the process and so he's like in front of his father's castle or, or statue and he's trying to like make things right with his friends, Vix and Chunk, and the statue. And then all of a sudden, the statue, like, does a Mufasa and tells him they're trapped in a 
in like a, a cave at the north end of the island. He's like super specific about these directions. And Spark has this lightsaber type of staff that he activates and energy blades come out of either end. Lightsaber. Uh, and he takes it with him to the cave where Chunk and Vix are concerned and then they're being tra- held by these like mutant termite creatures that are basically Floyd but mutated as we find out and Spark fights the like queen mother of them all and wins after he uses the force uses the force to grab the staff from one of these beetle things that took it from him really quickly and easily earlier on so yeah it's basically a lightsaber and he discovers the force because he has royal blood in him. Right. Man. So, Freeze's friends, uh, gets out of there. They go back. And now they are trying to come up with an escape plan. So, here is where we get super science and it makes even less sense. I, I kid you not, it somehow continues to make less sense the further into the film we go. Chunk determines that they can create a fake Kraken Slick. I don't understand. So they're talking about, like, well, why does the Kraken Slick send us all over the galaxy? Well, it's because this thing vibrates at this frequency, and if we can replicate that frequency, we can create a slick and we can go back to the... If we use the same frequency, we can go back to the place before. So, one, how do they know what the original frequency was? Two, why are... Why would a the ink coming out of a Kraken do any of this in the first place? How can they possibly replicate it without their own Kraken, without ink? They don't use ink. They use, like, a lightning. It doesn't... I don't... But... but, but uh, they have a plan. They set up a plan of how they're going to attack uh, Zong and defeat him. And Patrick Stewart, the captain, is like, well... I mean, it's nice and all, but there's not enough of us. And Spark's like, okay, I'm going to go get back up. I'm like, oh, shit, okay. That, apparently it's that easy. Um, although, I mean, it does make... It's very easy to determine that, like, he's... Obviously, his plan is to go grab the uh, mutated termite things and, and use them to help in, in part of the fight. Chunk ultimately fixes this, like, weird hovercraft type of thing with a satellite dish in such a way that it lets them travel back through the oil slick, ink slick, uh, and such like that. They go through it, they like dodge some asteroids, and uh, they make it with uh, the entire fleet of monkeys and a bigger spaceship that the captain had, as well as all the mutated termites. Whew! They're back, and at this point, we actually get a pretty decent scene here, which is very reminiscent of Star Wars, as most of this movie is. Uh, you know, Vix being the Princess Leia, uh, Chunk being the Han Solo slash uh, Chewbacca character rolled into one, and Spark obviously being Luke. Uh, Kong is effectively Darth Vader in a way, although he himself is very not powerful. So, I mean, the meta, it's not a perfect one-for-one comparison, but uh, there's a lot of similarities. And especially this final like big battle scene, you've got big ship against big ship with lasers. 
little cruisers against little cruisers and uh, mutated termites. And then Spark infiltrates the ship and takes on Kong head to head. So you've got three a three three uh, layered fight and action sequence going on. And Coco, the the Schwarzenegger type monkey, ends up squaring off against Vix. Uh, the the Captain Patrick Stewart's ship gets like knocked out for a little bit, and then they aren't able to fix it. Uh, Spark gets kidnapped or, or gets captured along with the Queen, and then he uses the Force to grab his staff from one of the monkeys, and then proceeds to destroy like the the guns on Kong's ship or Zong's ship. So he's captured, okay? He and his mother, the queen, are on their knees uh, with guards standing behind them. Behind them. They're watching them. They're like, I don't know, four, five, six feet behind them, roughly. So Spark is able to use the force to take the staff from one of those two guards, slide out of their view, and like, so, like, get out of the way, out of their views, uh, eye line, without them noticing, despite being in front of them. And then maneuver himself down to the front of the room that they're standing in. So, they're, like, on an elevated area of the room. And then, at the and like, that's where Zong is. And he's standing at the edge of the elevated part and looking down over all of his, like, henchmen people who are manning the guns, essentially. And then, and so Spark is able to get down there with the lightsaber thing, start destroying all of their weapons, and he's more than halfway through it when Zong looks down and sees what's going on. And it's at that point that the guards realize that he, Spark's not in front of them anymore and that he has the staff thing that he took from them. Man, uh, you can't even possibly begin to fathom like how they explain that to like another person when they were creating this scene i don't understand it it just it's so filled with fallacy so so that happens and then uh spark kind of gets cornered and he's like time for operation milk and cookies and then banani jumps in through the window and she's been like tricked out with like 300 weapons and guns and things and she like lays waste to the place so (laughs) so zong begs for his life he concedes he forfeits and he's like but you wouldn't kill me would you and spark's like well no and so they like he jumps on to banani and they fly out and it's like kind of nice and like okay that's cool but then the queen's like but then so like he had opened up this oil slick which is how they got back in and they're in chunks in the process of closing the oil slick I, ink slick whatever kraken slick who cares <laughs> and uh so the queen pretends to want to kiss zong which makes no sense and i don't know why they bothered to like go through all of these hoops but she eventually slugs him in the gin and he falls off banani and flies into the ink slick from the kraken just as it closes so he's missing gone and that's the last we see of him Spark then becomes the official prince, and his subjects uh, await his rule, effectively. Um, that's pretty much it. Like that's the plot of the movie, right? Like I don't know. That took me a good twenty-five minutes to go th- to get through. It's very generic. 
Um, it's very Star Wars and other space movies. There's really not a lot interesting about it. Um, like I said, the the few there's a few moments like the, talking about the the that dinner date with, between those two guard monkeys. Uh, there's another scene where Zong is talking to one of his uh, henchmen, and he's like, "So you hungry? You guys want to get dinner?" And they're kind of like really confused and like, "Yeah, let's." eat something and he's like oh, okay and like they have a like legitimate conversation about like going to get food that has no bearing or consequence on the rest of the film i like that i thought that was cool the animation legitimately looks worse than like shrek 2 probably worse than shrek 1 to be honest uh, i haven't seen those movies in quite some time but that's like 15 years old animation and it's this is worse you know like Hair does not do anything that hair actually does in this movie. It's very clunky CGI. And uh, like none of the the mouths don't really move that well. All the scenes are slowed down. It's it's just it's clunky. It looks really bad. You know, this wouldn't have passed 10 years ago, let alone now. Uh, So, you know, not a lot of good stuff. Very little good stuff mostly bad things pretty awful movie very funny uh this is like a so bad it's good movie kind of a thing like it's badness is derived from the fact that i mean presumably these people thought they were making a good movie i guess i I don't know like let me see here so the director aaron woodley quoting to imdb is also the director of an animated film coming out next year called Arctic Justice Thunder Squad. Looks awful. He directed a film from 2011 called The Entitled. Looks awful. He directed a 2003 film called Rhinoceros Eyes. Looked awful. Um, he was the director on a TV show called Curious and Unusual Deaths for 13 episodes. And uh, that's it. You know, he's directed some short films in the early in the late 90s but nothing i'm recognizing he's writing some stuff that i don't recognize um same thing as an you know editor actor no i i you know none of these things none of these credits are are anything i'm familiar with Uh, so, you know, like, I mean, I, I would compare this to something along the lines of, uh, Norm of the North, if you remember that movie at all, it was pretty shitty, uh, but it did better than this did. Uh, I think I looked, let me see, now that we're a little, few days out of the weekend, box office mojo, I was pretty sure, so this movie <laughs> debuted in over 300 theaters um 365 so this was so open roads film open road films distributed this and it opened this week past weekend in 365 theaters so it is the 17th highest theater count of films right now not the worst like there have been like plenty of films open lower than that um but by comparison, if we look at the daily uh, gross for these movies, um, a film like, let's see here, 
so so on Friday, so on the 14th, Spark, a space tale, grossed $48,000, which is less than Hidden Figures, which had which is in under 200 theaters and everyone's already seen it, which is uh, less than John Wick Chapter 2, which is in 208 theaters. Everyone's seen it. Uh, less than Split, which is in 128 theaters, so about a third, and people have seen it. It made like a third the money on Friday Split did. On Saturday, it made $37,000, which is less than La La Land, which is less than The Lost City of Z, which is in four theaters. Four theaters. Four, four theaters. This weekend, Spark made $116,000. Okay. Uh, it averaged, a, you know, so in 365 theaters, uh, that's like, I mean, it's it's less, it's about $300 uh, per, per theater, I think, probably less. Uh, meanwhile, Lost City of Z in four theaters this weekend made $110,000, which is like $10,000 a theater. No, more than that. It's 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 $40,000 a theater. Like this movie is going to make no money. Next week, it's going to be in like two theaters or zero or who knows how many. Um, it's It's crazy. Like, I don't know why it came out. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't even... I don't know why they bothered to release it in theaters. It's making no money. It's being beat by literally everything under the sun. Uh, So I don't really know why they're doing it this way. Um, It's just like La La Land has made $150 million. And it's still outgrossing Spark a Space Tale. So, yeah. So, Spark a Space Tale awful movie in every possible way I don't know what else I can say about it uh, the voice acting is fine I guess um, they really over sexualize Jessica Biel's Vix who's a fox uh, which is fine like I mean you know foxes can be sexy like this is a world where monkeys are like seem to be the dominant species um I mean, I guess they kind of are here too, but like other species are also sentient in this universe. And uh, this is just, uh, I don't know, another in a long list of animated failures. So I think, I mean, it sucks for like, I like Hilary Swank. I like Susan Sarandon. I like Patrick Stewart, Jessica Biel, take or leave. Uh, but it, it kind of sucks that it's going to signif- significantly impact uh, these people on my spreadsheet in a very negative way. But they chose to be a part of this movie, and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that's, that's where we're at. That's what we're doing. Spark a space tale. Hope you enjoyed the review. Please don't go watch this movie, or if you do, please don't spend money on it. This is not worth your time. Um, wait until like you can download it for free, or if you, or if it comes on Netflix or something like that. 
you know, and whether, you know, you're not going to think it's a good movie, you're probably going to enjoy watching it, though. That's, you know, it's very short. It's like 85 minutes and it makes no sense. And there are vast chunks of the film that are cut out that seem to be missing. Uh, we lo- we have almost no understanding of any of the characters' motivations. Um, so, yeah, that's my review of Spark a Space Tale. Thank you for listening. Um, if you have any comments, concerns, questions, or answers, you can direct those to circleoffilm at gmail.com. If you're interested in previous episodes, the Circle of Film Awards, the Scavenger Hunt Superlatives, or anything about me or the spreadsheet, you can head over to circleoffilm.com. Thank you once again, and as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same tonight. I know she'll never leave me, even as she 